When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, a typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Thank you so much for being here, Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. A lot of news in the United States, around the world, and then with Alec Baldwin. Yeah, it's it's happened. While the wheels of justice are in motion, Alec Baldwin has been or will be charged with involuntary manslaughter, two counts, for the well shooting of that woman on the set of his movie, Helena Hutchins, the cinematographer. He killed a this woman. is something you've predicted for a long time, David. Well, yeah, I thought, you know, under a strict reading of New Mexico law, he had a gun. He pulled the trigger. He denies he pulled the trigger, but he did. He shot somebody and killed somebody and wounded another. Um, and then the fact that he's a producer on the set and there were problems that he presumably, based on what the special prosecutor was saying today, presumably knew about uh, with lax firearm safety on the set of the movie, then he is responsible. I mean, the person announcing the charges today said, if not for the actions of him, uh, the armor, and one other person on the set, uh, Helena Hutchins would still be alive. And that's why you've got the involuntary manslaughter charges. Yes, and now it's been so long ago, I'll be honest, I forget the different details that came out along the way. Of course, we all remember him saying, well, I've been told that I'm not going to get charged. He did say that someone wasn't supposed to be on the property. It wasn't supposed to be on the truck. It wasn't supposed to be in the kit. It wasn't supposed to be in somebody's fanny pack. A live round is not supposed to be anywhere near the set. How did a real bullet get on that set? What I'm saying is that's for a criminal investigation to solve. I have no idea. I have no idea. I take that back. I have some ideas, but that's not for me to say. I've spoken to the sheriff's department multiple times. I don't have anything to hide. Hold on a second. Mm-hmm. We were told very early on they were taking target practice. Winking. <clears throat> yeah. Did they or not? That, again, I think that may be one of the keys here moving forward, why prosecutors felt like they had enough to charge not only him but the, uh, but the uh, armorer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. Hard to have target competitions yeah. with blanks. A <laughs> little bit, yeah. Anyway, he goes on. The facts as I see them are what I've stated on the record. You're not worried about being charged. I don't. I've been told by people who are 
in the know in terms of even inside the state, that it's highly unlikely I would be charged with anything criminally. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well. Well, another wrinkle in this is that the film's first assistant director, Dave Halls, the guy who handed the gun to Alec Baldwin, he's already agreed to plead guilty uh, to the charge of negligent use of a deadly weapon. Ooh, buddy. And so, you know, there, there's been, if you've been following this case, uh, the short version of this is that Alec Baldwin sued Dave Halls because Dave Halls is the guy who handed, the, handed him a loaded Jeez. gun and told him it was not loaded. And then David Halls turns around and countersues Alec Baldwin. So they're going at each other in civil court. And now this guy has pleaded guilty and presumably is now going to be a witness against Alec Baldwin. There's a lot of bad blood here. Wow. More developments on that throughout the show. Uh, meanwhile, we've got a little controversy with the President of the United States, Joe mm-hmm. Biden. There's yeah. some classified documents. Yeah, hoarding classified documents. And uh, the White House is really struggling to find footing when it comes to addressing this. And uh, the White House press corps has decided to get sober and actually do their jobs. I don't know if it's just because of dry January or what. But they're actually asking questions. Of <laughs> they the White got their House. marching orders. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're not boozing. Now, uh, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre is one of the people who is struggling mightily to find her footing when it comes to Joe Biden's classified documents hoarding. Yesterday, a reporter asked about a comment that Joe Biden made about Trump's document scandal. Because Joe Biden told 60 Minutes that what Trump did was totally irresponsible. How does that happen? Uh, mm-hmm. It turns out he was doing the exact same thing and just forgot about it. Um, the question is from the reporter was, do you think it was proper for Biden to comment on Trump's scandal? Well, so I'm going to say this, uh, and going to keep it really short today as it relates to this particular issue, as it relates to an ongoing, uh, legal matter, I'm going to refer you to department of just uh, department of justice with that specific as it relates to, uh, anything that you want to ask of us uh, about, uh, this, uh, this legal matter, I would refer you to the white house council uh, office. I'm, I'm going to leave it there. Not going to go into further. Okay. Before that follow-up, before the follow-up, that almost sounds like they've taken your advice, David. Yeah, they have. Finally, (laughs) it's too late now. (laughs) Just keep it short. Don't answer the question because you can't. But she tends to go on and on and on and on. So she's trying to do better in that area. What we all want to see is her actually answer the questions, but they're not going to do that. And I just, I I just commented. I just commented. We're moving on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. I already answered your question. Go ahead. Well, I, I did. Well, it's your it's your opinion. It's your opinion. It's your opinion. That is your opinion. If that's not an opinion, you did not answer the question. She's going full the dude, isn't she? Right. That's yes. just like your opinion, man. <laughs> She's bad. Oh goodness gracious! John Goodman is the nest secretary. <laughs> okay. Not sure where this goes next. But I think we're all thinking the same thing. The Democratic power brokers want Biden out. He's no longer useful. Yeah. That's what this has to be. Especially, more than anything, David, the clip that you had yesterday from CNN was astounding. Oh, yeah, because CNN was actually reporting that, hey, you know, uh, those the stuff that 
I don't know, these right-wing conspiracy theorists were talking about on Hunter Biden's laptop a couple years ago. Remember that? Yeah, we told you that was Russian disinformation. Well, see, it wasn't actually Russian disinformation, and there are actually a lot of open questions about what the uh, president's crackhead son was doing, running around the world collecting money from all these corrupt officials uh, and communicating his endeavors with his father, who was the vice president at the same time. Again... Really, if you take a step back, maybe it's just me. This was astounding. Yeah. I do want to hear part of this again. Despite his denials, a CNN review of the laptop data, as well as other public material, shows that Joe Biden did interact with some of his son's associates while serving as vice president. Whoa! I know, I know. I, golly. CNN breaks that story. Well, a few years late. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know Something if you can say knew. breaking the story. Yeah, they're... They're They're finally reporting it, it. yeah. Which is a huge turning of the corner. Yeah. Okay. So we know now at least legacy media is saying, okay, he had conversations with his son's associates. Dude, they want him out. They want him out. This is orchestrated and coordinated. Of course it is. Classified documents have been found. Yes. Pertaining to Ukraine, along with Iran. Some other things. But Ukraine is in that. And the Secret Service is not going to provide visitors' logs. No. Yeah. We have, well, what's going on with Ukraine right now? We know that Hunter Biden was on the board of Burisma having no knowledge of natural gas. Yes. What does all of it mean? (laughs) It means somebody wants him out. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, We'll see what developments happen there today. Meanwhile, you have different leaders in the United States, along with world leaders at the World Economic Forum. And there's a little bit of controversy right now. You know, we talked yesterday about Greta Thunberg. Mm -hmm. She was mockingly arrested. I mean, that wasn't a real arrest. As far as, well, she is there protesting the expansion of coal in Germany, right? Yeah. That's what we're supposed to believe. But then you see the video of it all being staged. Yeah. Well, Greta Thunberg is actually um, talking very badly about the World Economic Forum and the people that lead it. Did you see this? Mm -hmm. She is contending that, well, the green of the dollar is more important than the green of the planet with the attendees of this thing. Mm -hmm. She said, we are right now in Davos. We're basically the people who are mostly fueling the destruction of the planet the people who are at the very core of the climate crisis, the people who are investing in fossil fuels, and yet somehow these are the people that we seem to rely on solving our problems. They have proven time and time again that they are not prioritizing that. They are prioritizing self-greed, corporate greed, and short-term economic profits above people and above planet. These people are going to go as far as they can, as long as they can get away with it. Someone brought up, and it's really true. Does she ever have a solution to any problems? No. No, she doesn't, because she doesn't have no. to. That, that's the thing, is that her her whole job is to scold everybody. Um, and look, this is communist on communist violence, as far as I'm concerned, because what happens yeah. is you've got these very powerful elites who see this world as one world communist vision, and mm-hmm. Russia and China get a little bit squirrely about this happening because they want to be the top communist dogs on the planet. And we know that China and Russia bankrolled a lot of what Greta Thunberg does, so she's just acting out of, I don't know, 
yeah. she thinks about her benefactors a lot. Just saying. Well, and and the great thing is, adding to the resume, was getting carted off mm-hmm. in protest. And if you've seen that video, where the cops are holding her up and carrying her out. Oh, yes. If you listen real closely. Yes. Real clo- I mean, you really have to have good ears for this, but you can hear it. You can hear her go, line, line. <laughs> How dare you, Scott? She forgot. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? My dreams, line. my childhood. You're part your of it. Empty words. How dare You're just you? like those people at Davos. It's all wrong. As far as Greta's concerned. How dare you? I knew you I wanted to hear the song. I should be back in school. Slow jam. The, other side of the, the thing ocean. is. When she says what she says, she's right. Of course, she doesn't have any answers either. But the whole thing for these people is another way to take advantage of people and make money. Because when you actually have people that study this stuff, their plan as far as Davos and these World Economic Forum leaders, it would run everybody into the ground. Economically, there would be no food. They don't have the real solutions. So, yeah, there's much more to get to from the World Economic Forum this week. A lot of crazy stuff happening. Um, <laughs> Idaho is mandating trans on non-binary training for foster parents. Yeah. What the heck does this mean? We'll get to that much more coming up. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Uh, for our friends in Idaho, well, you know this story. I think it's surprising to the rest of the country. Yeah, it is. Crazy story out of Idaho. The uh, state's Department of Health and Welfare is requiring gender identity training for anyone who wants to be a foster parent. Now, the weird thing is it's, it's recommended for anyone who wants to adopt, but it's required for anyone who wants to be in the foster system. So in order to be approved to become a foster parent, you have to take tests on these materials that are provided that include mandatory trainings on gender identity, LGBTQIA2S+, whatever. Okay, so I'm hoping the training would be if you have all of a sudden a 13-year-old girl who has seen some stuff online and starts to say, you know, I really think I'm a boy, that they're trained to say, no, actually, you're not. No, you are too affirm, sir. Oh, yes. my That's goodness. what it is. Now, the uh, conservative outlet, the Idaho Tribune, talked to a representative of the department who said, well, they just wanted uh, prospective foster parents to meet the kids where they're at. We want, I mean, we really want our um, foster parents to support kids and help them from where they're at. And so if if we have a um, child or youth who identifies as um, LGBTQIA plus or anything oh my gosh. in between, um, then we would want the foster parent to support that. Why? That's not the best thing for the kid. Let's make it even harder for foster kids to become part of a family. Let's make it even harder now. Okay, so after everything that's happened overseas, shutting down clinics because you're finding out, oh my gosh, years later, after there's a transition, the psychological problems are still there. And this whole nonsense of, well, would you rather them commit suicide? There's no stats to back that up. 
This is all false BS. False BS. But, I mean, obviously this person talking here sounds like such a strong individual that really is well-researched. Uh, and so, uh, yeah. uh, and if that's not something that an individual feels that they can do, then perhaps being a foster parent isn't the right choice for them. Uh, and that's okay as well. Do you think this person knows just how evil they actually are? Or they think they're doing the right thing. Oh, no, they absolutely think they're doing the right thing. Doing the right thing, yeah. They've been indoctrinated. They, that's what they think. Dear Lord, help us. But again, who gets hurt out of all this? Kids who oh, need course. foster parents, yes. Uh, a lot of people are going to look at this and go, I, 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 you know, I'd like to become involved, but I'm not going to do this. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the, the idea that the default is the affirming part of it. Yeah. To me, because I, I can understand if you want to provide resources to figure out what the hell these kids are talking about, it might be good to know the language. Sure. But, but when it sounds like you've got to join the cult, if you yeah. want to do something good for a kid who's already in a tough situation and you need to affirm that cult, that is creepy. Well, yeah, it's evil. It's what it is. You know, to your point, man. The training as far as, well, gender identity. Like, honestly, parents today need to have it. Like, if your kid all of a sudden says, yeah, I think I'm the opposite sex, how do you handle that situation? Yeah. Because there is a wave that is trying to convince them that, yes, that's true, and you need to fight against it, and you need the tools to fight against it. But in Idaho, and now, of course, this is all over the place, but know what you have to be affirming or you're not going to be a foster parent. Well, the fight's on there. Wow. Um, on a lighter note, <laughs> happen to see this story. So everybody knows Shakira. She's part of a Super Bowl halftime show. Hips don't lie, you know. Shakira, Shakira. Yeah. Oh, baby, when you talk like that, uh-huh. you make a woman go mad. Uh-oh. Wait a second. Her longtime love cheated on her? Oh. Yeah, apparently so. You know how she figured it out? No. A jar of jam. A jar yeah, of she jam. got home. She was traveling. She had been out on the road. Is that hipster lingo? Jar of jam? No. Okay. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's a fruit spread, Scott. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Well, she gets home. She's like, hey, where's the jam? What jam? You know, that jar of jam. It's in the fridge. Apparently gone. What? Then she knew something was up. Oh, man. Yes. And that's when she knew that there was some cheating going on. And he cheated on Shakira? That's like robbing a bank after winning the lottery. You know, a wise man once said, you show me <laughs> any guy on the planet. They might get tired of whoever it might mm-hmm. be. I don't know. I'm not saying that I believe that. Mm-hmm. I like the way she... She not only took my boyfriend, she stole my jam. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that's the thing. Damn. Wow. She was traveling with her and the dude's kids. Milan and Sasha, 9 and 7. Oh, my goodness. Devastating for her to learn that this affair had been going on a lot longer than she had imagined. Can happen to anybody, man. Wow. Okay, Alec Baldwin's been charged with, well, involuntary manslaughter. Get an update on that. And much more coming right up.
I'm Jamie Markley, Gen Xer, the Millennial, David Van Camp, and the Sexy Boomer, Scott Robbins. You probably saw the vice president is going to be in Arizona today. Oh, going to the border? <laughs> uh, as far as that... Uh, not today. No. <laughs> not, not today. No. Uh, instead, she's going to be uh, attending the groundbreaking of a 125-mile-long energy transmission line. There you go. Nothing about the border there. No problem. By the way, I just saw um, on Fox that a White House ally says the biggest problem with Kamala is that she's just misunderstood. No, no, I understand completely. (laughs) (laughs) I I was laughing. I'm like, I cannot wait to tell the fellas that. Oh, yeah. That is fantastic. A friend in need is a friend indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that right. A White House ally. Uh, Alec Baldwin, charged. Yeah. Two counts of involuntary manslaughter, or will be. I guess they haven't formally uh, filed the charges. But their intention is to charge him with two counts of involuntary manslaughter for killing that woman on the set of the movie Rust. And... Mm -hmm. Uh, you called it. it. It seems like most of this, or most of this, has to do with his role as a producer, in that he should have known that there were problems, especially with firearm safety, and yeah. so there were lax regulations on the set. So him, uh, the I guess assistant director, uh, Dave Halls, and the um, armorer Hannah Gutierrez Reed are all facing charges. David Halls has already. Um, pleaded guilty, uh, struck a plea deal for the charge of negligent use of a deadly weapon. Okay, my biggest question is, does Alec Baldwin do time? Does he do any time? I, I would be surprised if they, would bring, if they brought a case against him that wasn't solid, that didn't show culpability in this. So I think unless they reach a plea agreement, unless he pleads down to lesser charges, but I don't see him doing that either because I think he wants to have this fight. Um, If it goes to trial, I think, yeah, he's convicted, and I think he does do time. Scott, you think he does time? No. I don't either. No, and I think it's going to be 18 months before anything happens, period. Minimum. I mean, it's going to be a while because... It'll be years. Now, yeah, Then once they formally charge him... That'll have to go in front of a judge, and usually that's just kind of automated, an automated process, but they could argue that his actions didn't rise to the level of criminality because he wasn't, or he would have not had uh, any expectation that that gun would have been loaded with a real bullet. So, so basically, what I'm getting at here, we're not going to throw any bets on this. So. No, well, we'd okay. forget, I think, by the time it finally came along. <laughs> Okay. All right. Got our update there. You know, it's about that time of day uh, where we go around the table because there's always a bunch of stories out there. And maybe this one isn't the biggest story that you've seen all day, but it caught your attention. It's time for What's Your Story? Starting with David, what's your story today? All right. Well, I know the media loves this story, and I really don't want to feed their intent behind focusing on this guy. But they're going after him because he's a Republican, a a new Republican congressman named George Santos. In this case, the attacks seem to be pretty well warranted here. Uh, He's been making a lot of news because his entire resume is made up. Uh, At one point, he claimed his mom was killed on 9-11, but she wasn't. She wasn't even in the country at the time. 
Wow. Uh, he also uh, is accused of ripping off a homeless veteran. He also has claimed he's Catholic. He also claimed he was Jewish. And it's like nobody really knows who he is. It goes on. And was apparently, he an Olympic volleyball player, too? No, I, I don't know about Olympic. He was a star college volleyball player, is what he, he identified says. as that, yes. Yeah. Uh, now, apparently, back when he lived in Brazil, he was a drag queen. Yeah. And he denies really. that. The, the, the really interesting thing is this is the one that he most forcefully denies. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I am not a drag queen, okay? <laughs> but there is a picture of him with another drag queen, or at least it's purportedly him in drag with another drag queen. Um, and I just really bring this story up because uh, conservative consultant Greg Price, I think, summarized this whole thing up very nicely. George Santos is the first gay, Jewish, Catholic, Hispanic, black, Caucasian, son of immigrants, Ivy League graduate, cancer survivor, Republican member of Congress, whose ancestors survived the Holocaust and died on 9-11, who was also a drag queen. Is there anything this guy can't do? George Santos has shattered so many glass ceilings, it's getting hard to keep track. I saw a meme of him yesterday with a guitar that said, I taught Jeff Beck everything he knew about the guitar. <laughs> All right, Scott, what's your story today? Well, my story has to do with the story we had on here yesterday, but it continues today about the tolerance thing. Uh, the conclusion has been reached now. This Ivan, what's his last name? Uh, uh, Pro, Proprof, David? Proprof? Proprof, do I have that right? Yeah. The hockey player. Okay, the hockey player, yeah. Uh, it's the conclusion now because he did not wear the pride jersey on pride night in Philly, right? It was only for warm-ups, right? Special warm-up jersey? That's the way I understood it. Yeah, it was a skate-around thing that, that they do yeah. before yeah, the games. Yeah, and then they auction him off afterwards yeah. and raise a bunch of money and stuff like that. Yeah. But he said, no, I'm not going to do that. He's a Russian Orthodox. He's a Russian. And he said, no, I take my faith seriously, and part of my faith won't allow me to do this. I don't care if everybody else does. It doesn't bother one way or another. Mm -hmm. You be you. Do what you got to do. So he didn't do it. So an NHL analyst on the NHL Network yesterday suggested that the Philadelphia Flyers, if he doesn't want to wear the pro-LGBTQ uniform, he should leave America and be sent back to Russia. Pronto! <laughs> the tolerant left has spoken. What happened to the NHL? That's it's a great where question. Dude, I, I'll tell you, man, as somebody who uh, I haven't had time to really get into hockey in recent years just because of having little kids and whatnot, but I, I've loved hockey for years, loved the yeah. sport. I have never seen in another sport a group of such whiny commentators. It yeah, is shocking right to that. me because yeah. it used to be these old school, you know, sort of curmudgeonly old Canadians who were doing color mm -hmm. commentary and all this stuff and talking, back in my day, we, we, we didn't even wear helmets. <laughs> right. One of the reasons why I can't taste salt anymore, but... <laughs> It's it is it is it's so sad. It's like if you you've gone seriously from arguing about whether or not players should be required to wear visors to protect them from having their eye sockets caved in, to now saying if they don't wear a pride jersey during warmups, they need to be sent to Russia to die in Ukraine. Yeah. Well, of all things, man. That's the part I don't understand is, I made the point yesterday, if it was Faith and Family Night and you had all the players wear jerseys with crosses on them, 
the outrage would be unbelievable. That would be easy to see. It would be from everywhere on the left. But this, you have to wear it, or we're kicking you out of the country. It's the and they all talk about it's for LGBTQ plus rights. Nobody's rights are being violated. It doesn't align with the guy's beliefs. They want to suspend the guy for the rest of the season, fine the Flyers a million dollars, send him to Russia to join the military so he can get shot at in the Ukraine. It's insanity. But again, it's the league and these announcers. And it is sort of like, are they being held hostage from people like, listen, you're not going to get paid anything unless you wear the jersey. Yeah. It's not like he said, I just I want to go shirtless. Yeah. You well, know, I, I, I don't want to wear a jersey at all. I just want to run, run around the ice shirtless. You can't. Well, no, of well, course the, not. The weirdest thing, too, is he didn't really make a big deal out of it. No, he really didn't. He just all. didn't show up. He just didn't want to go out there. And then sports media asked him why, and he told the truth. Right. And then he said, that's it. He didn't try to make a big deal out of it. And no. these people, because he offended the official state religion, apparently, of North, North America... Um, is now public enemy number one. It's pathetic. Well, my story today is, I guess you could say, somewhere along those lines. Um, It's the, especially the trans activists. There's a guy named Dr. Leonard Sachs, psychologist. He's written plenty of books like The Collapse of Parenting and Why Gender Matters. Um, That book's been out for a while. And he was on Megyn Kelly's podcast. And I was unfamiliar with the guy's work, but he's written a whole lot about just how different girls and boys are. You can see it all the way through their childhood. And you could say, well, yeah, but I mean, there, there's always some cases where a boy, you know, acts more like a girl or is into girlish things or vice versa. He's talking about research that people ignore of babies in their mom's wombs, which I found fascinating. Um, but here he is talking about that. Well, there's been so much exciting recent research. In one study uh, very recently, researchers recruited pregnant women in the third trimester of pregnancy and did high-resolution MRI scans looking at the baby in its mother's womb, these babies in the third trimester, and found dramatic differences in the wiring of the brain, in the baby's brain, in its mother's womb, with boys' brains having richer connections between cerebellum and dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, girls' brains having richer connections within the left hemisphere that the boys did not have. Which is fascinating to me. Boys and girls are different. We all know this intuitively. But the actual research of babies' brains in the womb are different with baby boys and baby girls? How do you dispute that if the science is there, is my question. And he goes on in the interview. When I speak at this as schools, if I'm allowed, and I'll check in advance to make sure I'm allowed to quote scripture, I'll quote Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. It doesn't say black and white, he created them. It doesn't say Asian and Hispanic, he created them. Black, white, Asian, and Hispanic are man-made. But male and female are hardwired. You are born male or female. And the irony is that we've got all this new research providing such compelling evidence that that is so. But if you read the New York Times or listen to National Public Radio, you wouldn't know it. 
that study was never mentioned. <laughs> how is that? Well, well, you know how it is. Yeah, because the game is is that if you try to make a logical argument against the cult, mm-hmm. they scream, you want kids to kill themselves and leave it at that. Well, we have to have enough people in the country that stand up and say that's not true. It's false. Got to keep spreading the right information, which is the true information, and stand up to the bullies. Or the bullies win. That's what happens. Um, mentioned this earlier on a lighter note. Adults keep an average of 20 toys from their childhood. Ah, wow, that seems like a lot. Mm. Um, now, if you said 20 Hot Wheels, mm-hmm. something like that, that I could see. But 20 different types of toys, I don't know. But you know what's most popular? What's, what's that? that? Got a guess? Uh, blocks. G.I. Joe. Barbies. Oh, I was going to say Barbies next. Yeah. Now, you know what happens now? If a little boy kind of likes to play with the, the Barbie and the Ken, are you sure you're a little boy? <laughs> and doesn't that play into gender stereotypes right there? A little bit. It's just a kid wanting to play with toys. All of a sudden, now you have parents saying, well, maybe the boy's a girl. No! He's just playing with toys. Legos were second, by the way. Followed by Hot Wheels. And then G.I. Joe's. Susie Homemaker Appliances, not familiar. Is that recent or is that really old? No, the little, you could, the little stoves and ovens, you made little cakes in them. Oh, okay. So that was from your day. Well, I don't know about my day, but yeah, I remember them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I have no, I have no not, recollection. Not that old. Did you play with them? No, I didn't play with them. Are you a man? Just checking. I don't know. I had Ken dolls. You really couldn't <laughs> tell. They're all smooth. You know? News update next. All right, the Barkley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Check this, man. So, as the classified document investigation goes on, apparently the Secret Service is ready to provide any visitors to uh, Biden's Delaware home. That's what a source is telling Fox. Interesting. Mm. Yes. If Congress requests it, this source says, yes, the Secret Service is prepared to offer names of individuals that visited. Well, so there are logs. No, the White House insists that there are no former or formal visitor logs. Are these guys doing it from memory? But the Secret Service <laughs> does have the names because they had to do a background check. Mm-hmm. So it's not, quote, official from the White House. Okay. That's the way I understand Semantics. it. Is that the way you understand it, David? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the difference is between, you know, what the White House is willing to put out there and what a law enforcement agency keeps track of. Right, got it. Yeah. So they're prepared to do it. They're Good. just, if Congress asks, well, who visited there? Yeah. Let's have a look-see. Because that's where the documents were found. Mm-hmm. What's in the documents? Man, and it, this is another one of those things where you kind of get excited right now. At least I do. Yeah. Like, man, I want to know what's in the documents, all this stuff. It's going to be months and months and months, if not years, before we know. If we ever know. Right. Well, I need to know who is at Joe's place. Who did he send out to the garage for the mini fridge to grab a couple of cold ones? <laughs> no, those were ice cream sandwiches in the freezer. Okay, they got it. All right. Yeah. Okay. Among other things out there. Hey. You know, this doesn't happen often, but I want to highlight uh, parents in Hollywood. 
that I think have shown some good parenting. <laughs> Both of you guys wow. look stunned. Like, well, where, where's I the punchline? All right. Yeah. I happen to see this story. Sarah Michelle Geller. I'm not even that familiar with her. No, she's been married to Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah. for a long time. She's doing this interview. She said, uh, my daughter, who is 13, wants to be able to act. And she and her dad say, no, sorry, you're not going to do it. And so Sarah Michelle said, when she says that's unfair, you were a child actor. I said, yes, I was. But I was not the child of two famous parents. I'll never stop her from being on a set. But she's just not going on camera while she's living under our roof. There will be different expectations for her. So she needs to learn everything there is first. That's good. Nothing wrong with that. You thrust a 13-year-old into the spotlight. How often does that work out well? well? It's never ended well. Never. Yeah, there's a lot of complications that can go with that. Yes. Because it does. A lot of times Hollywood parents want to use their kids as a prop to show everybody how woke they are. Yeah. This is actually somewhat refreshing. (laughs) I'll just speak for me. Well, Dad, you did A, B, or C. I heard one of your friends say it. (laughs) Right. You think I want you to end up like me? <laughs> no. This is the Mark the Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Well, one of the big stories today, Alec Baldwin, David. Yeah, Alec Baldwin has been charged. Uh, Now, there are two counts of uh, involuntary manslaughter. And what the district attorney in Santa Fe has said is that the jury will decide which one of those charges makes the most sense. If, in fact, this does go to a jury trial and if they convict. So that's that's what's happening here. Uh, What they're arguing, though, is that there was a pattern of criminality in how gun safety was enforced uh, on the set of the movie Rust, where Alec Baldwin shot and killed the cinematographer Helena Hutchins. <laughs> just laying out the facts here, dude. I know he did shoot and kill her. He yeah, did. It's just the way the way you deliver that line and yeah. have delivered that line since the day it happened yeah. always kills me. Yeah. He well, yeah. Uh, so he kills this lady, and now he's going to be facing charges. Uh, for this now his attorneys have come out with a statement uh, saying he had no reason to believe that there were live rounds in the gun yada 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 except as part of the sheriff's office investigation I mean they found at least five live rounds in the vicinity of where that was being shot one of them was on his gun belt so <laughs> they were they were clearly lax in how they were mixing and commingling dummy rounds, and actual cartridges. And that's how this woman died. And so it's not only uh, Alec Baldwin facing charges, but also the armorer on the set, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, who obviously, if, if all of those, if, if all of that is commingled in that way, obviously, mm-hmm. yes, I think she will be convicted. That That's 
clearly negligence. You know what it reminds me of? I think everyone's had this experience where whatever job you have, say you're going to a new job, sometimes you hold it in high regard and it proves itself to be true. Like, wow, there's a bunch of pros that work here. This is really a great environment. And it's awesome. There are other times where you go and you're looking around going, holy smokes, there are a lot of people that I thought really had it together that don't. You're almost shocked by it. And that's what it sounds like on this movie set. You would think gun safety is of huge importance. And this was just a cluster all the way around. Well, and, and to give you a sense of how unusual it would be to have actual cartridges mixed in with dummy rounds... Um, there's this story, and I'm not sure if it was apocryphal totally, but I think it was, it was one of the Matrix movies uh, where the props guy shut down shooting for a day, for a full day, because someone had spread fake bullets on the ground preparing for a shot. None of them were real. They were not real bullets. They were not real cartridges. But the guy said, you can't be messing with my stuff. Wow. Because he's... Because, I mean, anybody in this industry would know that if something happens, if I'm the props master, if I'm the armorer, it's my responsibility, ultimately, to make sure somebody doesn't get hurt or killed. So don't touch my stuff. Wow. That wasn't Keanu Reeves, was it? No, it wasn't. Because <laughs> now I'm thinking about John Wick. Can you imagine if he didn't have gun safety on that set? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Oh, damn. He's stacking up bodies like cordwood. Holy smokes. Yeah. Uh, another story out there. This is from Robbie Swove. Am I saying his name right? I think Sove or something, yeah. He's on the Hill. He also writes for Reason. And I saw the headline that said, Inside the Facebook Files, emails reveal the CDC's role in silencing COVID-19 dissent. Because the question has been, since the Twitter files have been released, well, what about Facebook? Were they in all this? And a lot of people said, well, I'm sure that they are. So going through just... uh, a few of the emails, and this has been uncovered from that lawsuit with the two attorneys general from Louisiana and Missouri. Um, well, for months, it was the meta policy, which would be Facebook, Instagram, to prohibit users from asserting that the pandemic may have originated from a lab leak. Can't have that. <laughs> wow. By July 2021, the CDC wasn't just evaluating which claims it thought were false but whether they could, quote, cause harm. So they got to decide what information might cause harm. Now, when you know their agenda, it's anything against their talking points. Mm -hmm. So as the story goes on, then by November, the FDA granted emergency authorization, remember, for the children's vaccine, the kids to get it. And Facebook and Instagram proudly informed the CDC that it would remove false claims, in other words, like the COVID vaccine may not be safe for kids from Facebook and Instagram. They also provided the CDC with a list of new claims about vaccines and asked whether the government thought they could, quote, contribute to vaccine refusals. Dude, Mm. (laughs) that's total suppression. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You were talking about we got flagged for that at one point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We didn't we didn't say anything that wasn't true. No. But if you didn't get flagged, you would at least have the little notation underneath your post. For factual information concerning COVID-19, click on this link to... Click on the CDC, which right. has been proven wrong yeah, CDC yeah. several link. times. And they, they apply, they put that, Facebook would put the link right under it. If you mentioned COVID-19, 
if you mentioned the vaccine, boom, there it was. Particularly if it was negative. If you're like, well, I don't know if I really want to get this or not. I don't know. Boom, right there. Well, Robbie goes on to say, it's important to consider the ramifications. Meta, over Facebook and Instagram, gave the CDC de facto power to police COVID-19 misinformation on the platforms. So the CDC took the position that essentially any erroneous claim could contribute to vaccine hesitancy and cause social harm. Okay, then there's the Fauci part. So anything they saw on Facebook and Instagram, they would let the CDC know, hey, there's some criticism out there of Fauci. Okay, one email warned the CDC that Facebook users were actually mocking Fauci for changing his mind about masking and double masking. The CDC replied that, thank you very much. That's very helpful. Man, this is dirty all the the way way through. Yeah. Yeah. So in the end, I could say what's going to happen. And if I'm to predict, David will say nothing. Oh, yeah, nothing. Because... Well, Meta is in the pocketbooks of so many people in Congress, so probably nothing will happen. But we're hoping that more people, the next time we have to deal with something like this, understand how much power the CDC and the government has just in policing information. Yeah. Well, if you were to have an undesirable outcome because of the vaccines and it was being promoted on that platform that was not offering any dissent whatsoever, wouldn't they be liable on some level? Well, if someone, say, got the vaccine, and all of a sudden they couldn't use that arm anymore. Right. I can remember my uncle telling me a story about a friend of his. Yeah, it's, he has not been able to really use it, to exercise, to do a lot of the things he likes to do mm-hmm. since. I'm like, wow. But if you were to say that right. on social media, you got suppressed. Yeah. yeah, they took it down. In a hurry. Right. And a lot of people are like, wait a second, I know somebody that this happened to. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'll tell you exactly how this rolls. Uh, some representative from Facebook shows up on Capitol Hill. Some lawmakers, and in this case it'll be Republicans, will yell at them for a couple of hours. They'll get their nice little viral clips, and nothing will happen. The roadmap Fantastic. for what should happen in this case, forget about Facebook. They're not a government entity, not officially at least. I mean, it looks like right. they have been working on behalf of the government, but mm-hmm, yeah. right. uh, here's how this works or should work. You call anybody who is making decisions at the CDC and the FDA in front of Congress, and you, the thesis is, tell me why you need to keep your job. <laughs> and that's it. And then if they don't make a compelling case, well, you start making budget cuts. And you start making the CDC make some tough decisions about who's going to work there. You downsize the hell out of it and basically make everybody who's a decision maker interview for their job in front of the nation. That's what should happen. That's not what will happen. But that's what should happen. You know what the next big conversation is going to be about whether it's Facebook or Twitter? How did they let Trump back in? Oh, thank you. (laughs) Because he's coming back. It's going to be very entertaining Mm -hmm. with Trump being back on Twitter. All right, David, you've got a British comedian here. Yeah, well, we talked about him earlier this week, Constantine Kisson. He's the British comedian whose uh, speech at an Oxford debate went viral. We played part of it earlier in the week where he's reaching out to woke young people. And here's kind of the summary of what his message was. Okay. The only thing that wokeness has to offer in exchange is to brainwash bright young minds like you 
to believe that what you must do to improve the world is to complain, is to protest, is to throw soup on paintings. The way to improve the world is to work, is to create, it is to build. And the problem with woke culture is that it's trained too many young minds like yours to forget about that. Yeah. Yeah, well, he showed up on Tucker Carlson's show and talked about why his overall message was received so well. And I, I like how he puts this. Oh, wow, I missed this. Okay, go ahead. We live in a society in which adults are afraid of children and young yes. people in particular. <laughs> and I think, actually, we've got to believe that young people are persuadable. We've got to make rational arguments to them. I think that you've, we've got to remember, Tucker, they're young minds. We were all young once, and we were just as idiotic and stubborn uh, and so sure of ourselves that we thought we knew everything. Uh, I think we've got to fight. Uh, we've got to fight to change people's minds, and the way to do that is with rational argument and encouraging critical thinking. Amen, bro. Yeah. Everybody think back to when they were 24. <laughs> what would you say to your 24-year-old self? You're an idiot. You think you might know? You have no idea. You don't know what the hell you're talking about, you freak. <laughs> I wouldn't have said that. I did. Well, I know. Well, I saw the pictures of you at 24. You're right. <laughs> um, Drunk freak. But to that point, okay. yes. And, and I, you know, every once in a while I hear somebody like Jordan Peterson say, you're 23, what do you know? And he's right. It's not to say that you have absolutely no clue, but if you think you have all the answers and that everyone that came before you was just evil and you have to write the world, you, you don't know what you don't know yet. What's well, even sadder is when they're 42 and still think that way. <laughs> well, yeah, that's when you get yourself, you know, four or five cats. Not that it's wrong having two cats, Scott. I, I don't mean say, that. Wait, slow your roll was, there, pal. No, I was thinking about it. Okay. Yeah. For company's sake. Did you see this story real quick? I saw this at uh, Daily Wire. This was in Mexico, Monterey. According to local news sources, uh, there was a guy that broke into a Catholic church earlier this week um, and tried to steal a statue of St. Michael, the archangel. He uh, apparently tripped and fell, injuring himself on the angel's sword. He impaled himself. Yay! God is watching. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, apparently, the guy smashed through the glass door, entered the church in the wee hours. He sustained serious injuries to his neck. Fortunately for him, passersby saw him and called for paramedics. And they, as far as I know, think he's going to be okay. But I mean, that happened in a hurry, man. Boom, right there. Angel sword right into the neck. Sometimes it takes a while, Johnny, but that one was pretty instant right there. Yeah. Yeah. Chocolate yeah. steel, man. <laughs> right. Okay. You know, this seems to be a big story, but you're not seeing it a lot. Walgreens paying out a big opioid settlement. That and much more coming up right here. Van Camp and Robbins show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Saw this story. Wow. West Virginia announced that they have settled with Walgreens for $83 million. Mm. 
you know, West Virginia per capita led in deaths with opioids. Yeah. And I'm looking into the story a little bit. And first of all, I obviously don't get to decide what national news picks up <laughs> as far as legacy media. This seems like a big deal. Yeah, if you're talking under the age of 40, that's like the number one cause of death for men. That's that brings the total West Virginia money brought in from opioid litigation to more than $950 million. Because they went after people. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you're going on. They still have one suit left. That's with Kroger. And it will probably get settled. But they went after CVS and Rite Aid and the pharmaceutical companies. You know, Cardinal Health, Amerisource Bergen, McKesson these drug distributors, um, Johnson & Johnson, their subsidiary, Janssen Pharmaceuticals. And it was all because they did not really regulate all the people just filling scripts all over the place. And just on this show, it's not just me. Both of you guys have had serious issues filling scripts. Oh, yeah. It is a pain in the... Mm, I can't ever imagine a world where all you had to do is just kind of go around and you could get opioids just flying out of the drive-through windows. It is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're not talking about anything too crazy either with medications. No. no. I can't get blood pressure medication. <laughs> Which ironically makes your blood pressure go through the roof. Right, exactly. Yes. Yes. But it also, I mean, I'm stating the obvious, it goes to show you that for a couple of years, we were just supposed to trust the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. Like, they always have our best interests at heart. No! Look at the billions of dollars that they've had to pay over in lawsuits. This is well documented. Okay. Oh, I saw this story. Times we see something that's making the rounds on a lighter note, want to pass it along, and then get an opinion. This apparently is playing out online. It was a guy in Austin, Texas, and he meets what he thinks is like his dream girl, mm -hmm. right? Asks for the number. She writes it down on a napkin, along with her name, Jackie. But she leaves two digits out on purpose. Why? Well, one of the reasons they were bonding is talking about watching TV shows and figuring out who did it before anybody else Gosh. and solving a mystery. And so... She wanted to see if he'd go through the hassle of figuring out what those two missing numbers were. Oh, God. There's a hundred possible combinations. So he didn't put this out online. His cousin tweeted about it. All right. People thought it was kind of fun. But then the question is this. Is she being demanding and high maintenance? Or does this come off as kind of cool? Because she also said, trust me, I'm worth it. <laughs> see, that is... Uh... That that's nauseating, but I don't know. I think but maybe it's, she it's is. I think he's going to stumble into a different girl as he's trying all these different combinations, and then it's going to be like a '90s rom-com. <laughs> he's going to show up at the train station at nine, <laughs> yeah, because that's what the puzzle said. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin show. Okay, biggest story of the day, David. Uh, to me, and I know it's I've been very emotionally invested in watching this case go through, but uh, Alec Baldwin facing criminal charges for killing that woman on the set of Rust. That is, I think that's still the lead right now. Yeah. yeah. 
as far as what I've seen on Fox and some other yeah. outlets. I mean, it was more buried on Good Morning America. Yeah. Oh, I you bet, know. because George Stephanopoulos was, like, fluffing this guy during this hard-hitting interview. Yes. Well, we also have the audio from when Alec Baldwin said, the media is out to get me. Yeah. <laughs> which is hilarious. Yeah. And this is interesting. CNN has turned on the president. More evidence of that coming up straight ahead. Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Alec Baldwin may be in trouble. He's been indicted. Yeah, well, not indicted yet. The formal charges have not been Charged. filed, but the uh, prosecutors in New Mexico do plan on charging him and the armorer from the movie Rust in connection with the fatal shooting of the cinematographer on that movie, Helena Hutchins. Now, here's the significant part of this. Not only is he being uh, charged with involuntary manslaughter, but there are two options that a, a, ju- a potential jury could face. Uh, Dan Abrams laid it out this way. Uh, they just threw the book at Alec Baldwin. Not only is he facing an involuntary manslaughter charge, but they added another option, which would increase the sentence from up to 18 months to a five-year mandatory sentence. If the jury were to say that you were negligent enough uh, to have caused this woman's death. It'll never happen. I don't no. see him doing five years. No, but... I don't see him doing a day. These guys skate all the time. Well, now they... I'm now yeah. I am the big rain cloud on your sunny day, David. How do you like that? No, I think I think he'll serve time. So you do want to bet? Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> it, well, no, no, no. I'm confident in it. I just don't know how I feel about betting on on something like this of all the things you say now you have a conscience about that (laughs) are you freaking serious (laughs) all right we'll give it till the end of the show i think you i think you'll find it in your heart all right i had to look it up today though involuntary manslaughter just for the definition yes so whether i was speaking properly about it know about it but it's no premeditation totally accidental but you're still responsible for the deaths of someone am i correct yeah yeah okay Yes. Okay, now I feel like I want to look this up. Wasn't that Vince Neal, singer of Motley Crue? Yeah, I believe it involuntary was. Involuntary manslaughter, manslaughter in was... 1980, late 84, 85, when he killed Razzle, the Hanoi Rocks drummer, because he was drunk driving. Yeah, got into a wreck and killed the guy. Yeah. And if I remember right, Vince did a whopping 30 days mm-hmm. and did some PSAs, don't drink and drive. Yeah, from Vince Neal. Different era, I think though. the attorney, one of the things was argued that hey man the the band has an album done they're gonna be touring it's got to be out there (laughs) holy mackerel it's a different time and you got to also understand if uh, i I think that you're going to have some prosecutors there in new mexico trying to make a statement about gun violence about gun control that could be you could absolutely be right i think (laughs) i'm persuaded by it seems like so many times you see people that are guilty of Mm -hmm. something and they don't end up doing any time and it's so frustrating 
So maybe I'm just being protective of myself of getting, you know, I don't even want to say hopes up that someone does time, but just that there's justice. But we'll see. Keep an eye on that. Meanwhile, it does look like legacy media, at least some outlets, have turned on the president. Yeah, and all of that's really coming to a head now with these classified documents that Biden was hoarding from the Obama administration days. I thought it was interesting that CNN, of all places, not only ran a story about the Biden family corruption, about the suspicions surrounding uh, uh, Hunter Biden using his dad's influence as vice president to cash in. Uh, it's interesting that not only they ran a story on that like two days after Jake Tapper was saying, well, it's not a crime to trade on the family name. <laughs> I mean, now they're they're suddenly doing this. But now CNN's running a story about the White House press secretary, Corrine uh, Jean-Pierre Make-A-Wish. And uh, as the story goes, White House press folks are very, very upset with her. Uh, one unnamed reporter tells CNN... She is arguably the least effective White House press secretary of the television era. Arguably. She is. No, yeah, she is. It's not close. Uh, You just get the feeling that you're wasting your time, and whatever is in front of her in the binder is all she's going to say, no matter how many times you ask the question. It's just a painful waste of time. Um, Oh, and this revealing line about the past couple of weeks, as she's lied about the Biden document hoarding multiple times. I thought this was kind of funny, though. There is the expectation that when you say something, it's going to be true. That's the biggest credibility hit for her. It's answering a question in a way that ends up not being true. Okay, (laughs) If your assumption going in, if you cover politicians and your assumption going in is that they are telling the truth, quit your job. You're not very good at this. Oh, they have their talking points and you have to figure out how to ask it in a way that you're going to get some truth out of them. Hold their feet to the fire. And, you know, they've been trying to do that with these documents. But it doesn't seem like they're all on the same page. Mm-hmm. Even from last week, it didn't see like, seem right. like Biden was on the same page. Or they somebody sent him out there to make a statement. And I don't know if he went rogue or what happened. But then he was made to look a fool. Which, of course, sort of par for the course. But it's really interesting. I mean, at some point, whenever she quits... And then you do what you always do, David, is like a montage of their career in that gig. It's going to be something. It's going to be the entire show. Well, dude, as far as lies go, is there anything just more obvious than lying about the border? (laughs) Saying it was secure when you're seeing just thousands of people pour across? What was that clip you had? It was her talking about that. This might be one of the best hits. What we stand by is that we are doing everything that we can uh, to make sure that um, uh, that we follow the process that's been put forth. That's why we have uh, historic funding uh, to do just that, to make sure that, um, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, to make sure that... um, Oh, my goodness. To make sure that uh, the folks that we encounter at the border be removed uh, or expelled. <laughs> like a porky pig cartoon. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we're going to hear now from a Minnesota lawmaker that's yeah. talking about students who menstruate. What? Yeah. Uh, the state legislature is looking at putting menstrual products in the boys' bathrooms at public schools or providing more funding in order to do that. 
Uh, here's one of the people supporting this. This is uh, House Representative uh, Sandra Feist. Is this a joke? What is going on? Not all students who menstruate are female. Um, we need to make sure that all students have access to these products. These students who are not female, who menstruate, um, face a greater stigma and barrier um, to asking for these products. These people that are not female but menstruate. Yeah, we're, we're really, we're way past the whole talking point of, well, gender is a social construct. We're not talking about biological sex. No, there, there, is, there is not a non-female who menstruates. No. That's not a thing that exists. No. And the more anyone plays pretend with this, the worse the problem gets. Mm-hmm. We just matter of fact it. We just say it. This is for this is for people who are not female and menstruate, and you just move on. Oh my gosh! No, how do these people get elected? I, I, Great it's, question. It's beyond me, yeah. man. It's like you have, uh, I mean, a, really, a whole nation. Well, part of this nation is freaking brainwashed. The assault on reality has yeah. worked in so many different ways. You know, I'll switch gears here, man. And I remember at the time when Biden said this, and I don't know why, I do know why it stuck out to me. Because at the time, I'm like, the freaking president just said this. This is freaking unreal. Parents of transgender children, affirming your child's identity is one of the most powerful things you can do to keep them safe and healthy. No, it is not. That is a blatant lie. There is nothing to back that up as far as statistics or facts. But that has consequences. And when I heard this interview that Megyn Kelly was doing with Dr. Leonard Sachs, who is an expert in the field and why this sort of thing matters, he tells a story about a set of parents with a girl. I'll just let him tell the story. This is why this crap is important. The fact that the president of the United States and the American Academy of Pediatrics endorse uh, this transgender activism is, as I said before, the make a break immensely harmful. So I'll give you a very concrete example. I was hired as an expert witness in the case of a girl who was a girly girl. Unlike you, she loved playing with Barbies. She dressed up as princesses for Halloween year after year. The parents showed me the pictures. And then at age 14, she was struggling with depression. And she found some TikTok videos that said, if you transition to the male role, you won't be depressed anymore because only girls are depressed. Which is one of the things TikTok does, by the way. Yeah. By design. Okay. So just change, and then you won't be so depressed anymore. And so she announced she's a boy. And the parents were like, no, you're not a boy. So she... The 14-year-old girl contacted Child Protective Services, which swooped in and removed her from the house wow. and put her in foster care with a family that would endorse her uh, male identity and mm-hmm. the parents sued to regain custody. Okay. That's nuts. That's where we are. I mean, is there anything <laughs> that's more heartbreaking than that? No. And it goes no. on because then he explains... And the attorney hired me as an expert. And so I'm talking one-on-one with the judge. This is all by Zoom. And, this, uh, 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 and I'm talking one-on-one with the judge. And the judge is challenging me, saying, well, the American Academy of Pediatrics guidelines say 
And I said, well, the American Academy of Pediatrics guidelines are not based in evidence. And the judge was very blunt. She said, Dr. Sachs, you're a family doctor. You have no academic appointment. You're not a professor at any leading university. You're asking me to accept your judgment over the official guidelines of the American Academy of Pediatrics. How am I supposed to do that? That's tough. Wow. And that happened in 2018. I think the judge has a very fair point. Family court judges tend to show great deference to authority. Mm-hmm. And the American Academy of Pediatrics and the President of the United States say one thing, and I'm saying something else, the judge is going to defer to authority. Those parents lost custody of their child. That's what I mean when I say this is immensely harmful. Yes. Well, you guys get so caught up in the culture war. You're destroying kids. That's what that is. It's a sick freaking That's an evil. incredibly sad story. Yes. Incredibly sad. And the thing is, that could happen to any family. Well, think back. I mean, think back to your own, you know, kiddom when you were 14 years old. Mm-hmm. How many times you wanted to, your parents to leave you alone or to live on your own or to go live with somebody who agrees with you. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that thought went through your head a lot. I think any kid. So all I had to do was tell him, hey, I think I'm a girl. For my dad to look at me and go, well, you're not. I'd call DCFS. they come in, they take me out, they put me in somewhere where I can do whatever sure. I want. Yes. That's appealing when you're 14 years old. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Yes, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, did you ever run away from home? Thought about it. Mine lasted about three hours until I got about dinner time, and I'm like, gosh, what am I going to do? Yeah, oh, I mean, came to eating and sleeping in a bed, yeah. <laughs> But that's it. But if that's being afforded me with no rules, I know. well, why not? I know. And man, that whole interview is worth a listen because that guy's got so many different stories and facts from his own research. It's, But Legacy Media is never going to put that guy on. Wow. He actually mentioned he did an interview with Al Roker years back, and he looked. It was still up at the Today Show website, but the comments over time have changed to People are like, how could you even allow this man on to speak this? <laughs> it's insane, man. Um, totally switching gears if you want some good news because you seem troubled, Scott. Well, that's troubling. That was a troubling story. Um, you know what lowers the risk of heart disease in men by up to 39%? What's that? Even helps reduce the risk of early death. What's that? Viagra. Start eating that like Pez, baby. <laughs> and now more people are horrified. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I got excited. like three jokes, and I'm not going to say. It. Somebody, yeah. somebody might be smiling. Okay. I said uh, somebody. Uh, news update next. Oh boy. Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Just handed info on a poll. Guess the percentage of Gen Zers that are proud to live in the United States. Oh gosh, I'm going to be depressed, aren't I? Percentage. Forty-five uh, percent. I'll say forty-six percent. 
Oh, you took the over. Mm-hmm. Okay, first round, uh, Van Camp takes. Wow. He's closer. But you got to go a little lower, David. Mm. 30%? Scott? 29%. Robbins gets that round because it is lower than 29%. Golly. You guys are getting closer. David? Uh, 10%. Scott? 17. It's 16. Mm. 16's the answer. Oh, Robbins takes two out of three. 16% proud to live in the United States. Well, I mean, think about your think about your average Gen Z or if you went through public education, yep. your entire education has been about how terrible this country is. It's racist, it's homophobic, it's sexist. Yes. Worst place ever. That's by design. It is by the design. Um and people will say, you sound like a kook for saying it, but the left has infiltrated all parts of American life. It's Higher education, um, public schools, corporations, you see it in sports, Hollywood, big tech, news media. It's, it's all run by the left. And what is really frightening to me is the stat we just talked about because we haven't seen the full force of an entire generation thinking that the country is awful. No. What's it going to be like in 10 years, let alone 15 or 20? Wow. By the way, every once in a while, bring up a story that's out of Florida. um, And Scott, you'll say that that's the way it's done there with DeSantis. That, that's how you do this. Mm-hmm. They're already testing this in colleges. It's a high school course. It's all about wokeness and critical race theory that they want to have in high schools all over the place by 2024. And DeSantis is getting out in front saying, we are not going to do that here. And it's still in its testing phase. Because that's part of it. Good. The big change has to start with the schools, really. And the good news is you've seen that in school board races across the country. More people are getting involved. That's what it's going to take to turn the whole thing around. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. A lot going on. I know David's favorite story is the Alec Baldwin story. Well, yeah, I it's mean, a big it's pretty one. Big. He's been charged now, uh, and there are a couple of options if this goes to a jury trial for a jury to consider on involuntary manslaughter. One would face a maximum of eighteen months in jail, and the other would face a mandatory minimum of five years in jail. <laughs> I mean, they're going after him and the armorer on the set of Rust after he shot and killed that woman, Helena Hutchins. Remember when he was saying the media is just out to get me? Yeah. Yeah. The people who have been trying to destroy you for the last year for the horrible events that happened at Rust, it's as much about just taking you down once and for all as it is what happened on set, no? Every single person on the set of the film knows what happened. 
That was Chris Cuomo running cover, by the way. And the people that are talking loudest about what happened or speculating about what happened were not on the set of the film. The L.A. Times, The Hollywood Mm. Reporter, they talk on and on and on about what if this and what if that and have dined out on this. The thing that they have in common is nobody was there. And everybody who was there, they know exactly what happened. They know exactly who's to blame, blah, blah, blah. But but see, the film's assistant director, David Halls, the guy who... uh, handed that gun over apparently does know what happened he was on the set and he just uh struck a plea deal to the charge of negligent use of a deadly weapon another chris cuomo clip that didn't age well no (laughs) gosh dang keeping an eye on that one uh you know there's the big hoo-ah going on in davos switzerland world economic forum Mm -hmm. now Say, for instance, Scott, if I were to say to you, there's a lot of green weenie people at Davos, right? Well, that's certainly not an underestimate, yeah. Well, hold on a second. The real green weenie people would say these people are posers. They're hypocrites. They're fake green weenies? Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of climate activism organization Greenpeace. You used to be a member, if I recall. (laughs) That was 30 years ago, Scott. I know that, but, you know, still, it's in your resume. It is. Yep. Yep. Former vice president of Greenpeace. I was not. I think I Local gave 25 chapter. bucks and I got a t-shirt and a mug. And a poster. Okay. Black light poster. There was not a poster. It's a t-shirt. <laughs> okay. To which maybe a few females said, you care about the dolphins? I do. I'm trying to save them from the tuna nets. That's me. <laughs> save the whales. Yeah. Anyway, Greenpeace is saying you people are hypocrites. Um, Big statement. Um, from one of the leaders of Greenpeace, said, hey, you know, there's like 1,040 private jets that flew in and out of airports. Davos. What's going on here? A a lot of these people could have taken a car trip, crying out loud. They're from the surrounding countries. So this is what Clara Maria Schenk from Greenpeace said in a statement. Europe is experiencing the warmest January days ever recorded. And communities around the world are grappling with extreme weather events supercharged by the climate crisis. Meanwhile, the rich and powerful flocked to Davos in ultra-polluting, socially inequitable private jets to discuss climate and inequality behind closed doors. Davos has a perfectly adequate railway station, and these people can't even be bothered to take the train. Well, no, because it's not about climate hysteria really it's about parlaying climate hysteria into making gobs of cash yes <laughs> of course that's what it is so i do get a kick out of the left kicking the left here mm-hmm. <laughs> being called out um so yeah germany france italy according to the analysis done are the countries with the highest number of arrivals and departures out of davos airports so what was it the research said that those those planes produce carbon emissions equivalent of those caused in one week by 350,000 cars. Yeah, well. Yeah, but, but they, they care about the environment. But they have to do that so that they can then decide how many people are going to starve to death because of their climate initiatives. Right. Or Bill Gates trying to say, well, but we're putting, putting that back in the ground. See, <laughs> what? Did you hear that statement? It made no sense. Yeah. Anyway, um, the the Greenpeace person went on to say, given that 80% of the world's population has never even flown, 
but suffers from the consequences of climate-damaging aviation emissions. This annual private jet bonanza is a distasteful masterclass in hypocrisy. Private jets must be consigned to history if we're to have a green, just, and safe future for all. It's time for them to lead by example. Yeah, I got a kick out of that. That's good. Uh, Queen Jean-Pierre said, who's the president? Well, she made some big news yesterday, the White House press secretary, when talking about uh, something Kamala Harris is going to do in support of abortion. What? Yeah. Okay, roll it. This Sunday, the president will speak about the fight to... Stop. She said, what? The the this Sunday, the president will speak about the fight to secure women's fundamental right to reproductive health care in the face of these attacks. Now, see that? Oh. She was reading from the binder that's, that's uh, 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 reserved for two months from now. That was her <laughs> mistake. Yeah, that's tough, man. She's just trying to flip very quickly. Forward thinking. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that is one of the things the White House does effectively. Crisis, crisis. Uh, women's health. Yeah. Reproductive rights. How can, ah! we, ta- how can we talk about uh, killing more babies <laughs> and uh, stripping away people's Second Amendment rights? Yes. Those are the fallback Well, positions. I mean, babies, they, they, they fart, and there's oxygen they take up. It's not good for the environment. More importantly, you know, they, bullets aren't good for the environment. They don't vote. Yes. So, yeah, you got to do away with all of that stuff. Of course. Man, oh, man. Um, can you explain to me the story? I hesitate to ask, but I know you have it, David. Yeah. Facebook is upset about, do I read this correctly, trans nipples? Yeah. You could say they're being twisted into knots, actually. Hmm. So Facebook and Instagram have faced calls to, quote, unquote, free the nipple for years. You know about that at all? Uh, because some <laughs> yes. people think it's discriminatory, anti-women to ban nudity on the platform. And I'm just over here like, you know, there's like a dozen more social media sites where you can post pictures of your boobs, right? Yeah. Fine. You just go there. Uh, but what's the difference yeah. is what they're saying. <clears throat> right. Well, in the new age of gender identity, this gets rather complicated, of course. Uh, the Oversight Board, which is like the Supreme Court for content decisions of uh, Facebook and Instagram, now says that people, well, some people should be allowed to show their breasts as long as they are trans or non-binary. This is in response to people who said that the policy discriminated against gender fluid users. So as they write, hmm. the same image of female presenting nipples would be prohibited if posted by a cisgender woman an actual woman who hasn't completely lost her mind, uh, but permitted if posted by an individual self-identifying as non-binary. So That's right. if you are, for example, Britney Spears, and suddenly Britney Spears says, I use they, them pronouns, then she doesn't have to put little heart symbols over her boobs whenever she posts naked pictures. Okay. So if that day you're feeling like yeah. a dude, even though you got, for whatever, yeah. 36 double Ds, you're fine. Yeah. Totally fine. Free the nip. Yep. Uh, and Meta, they're, they're actually going to review or rely on human reviewers who will be tasked to look at pictures of boobs all day. Oh, dear goodness. Robbins has been fighting for this since he was in school. <laughs> Is that on Career Builder? <laughs> well, you Are remember they... the National Geographics, and you used to say if the nude pygmies can walk around, no big deal. That's no. right. 
Now, Why I, not in America? I want to see the women here. I was, I was an early, early supporter of Free the Nipple. <laughs> now, yes. I, I am kind of confused here, though, because the board added that there will be additional nipple-related exceptions based on context of protest, birth-giving, afterbirth, and breastfeeding, which it did not examine here but also must be assessed. But these human reviewers would be quickly assessing both a user's sex and their gender identity. Well, wait a minute. Who are you to decide? No doubt. Because I thought the whole thing about gender identity was that you can't tell what a woman is just by looking at a person. Or a man. Or a man. Right. Well, that's going to be... <laughs> Kids graduate in school this year, so what are you planning on doing? What are you going to study? Nips? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a professional <laughs> boob inspector. <laughs> right. What do you want to be when you grow up? I got a PhD. They call me Dr. Knockers. <laughs> no, of course it's like when I was a kid. I wanted the T-shirt that you could get at Target, the FBI. Female body inspector. <laughs> Thankfully, my mom said, no, you're not getting that T-shirt. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Squirt the water in the clown's mouth and blow up the balloon. <laughs> you get one, too. <laughs> uh, hey, from the Today Show, wanted to pass this along. Uh, some tips. I know, David, from your news background, if any... Reporter came to you with a story about tips. Yeah. You told him you'd fire him, but yeah. at the Today Show, it still rains. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, they give you four tips, things you should never do in a restaurant. I'll throw it out there and see if you agree. Don't rearrange the tables on your own. Don't do it. It depends on the restaurant. Yeah. Well, one of them could belong to a different server, so it annoys them when you do it without at least asking first. Uh. Who says, well, I'm the customer, and we're going to have a group of people, so we're going to go ahead and do that. Okay. Um, don't forget to wash your hands after you handle a menu. I think that's good advice. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Um, don't send food back just because it's not what you expected. Well, I'm paying for it. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, it, well, it says don't demand a refund just because you ordered salmon and then remembered you don't like salmon. Well, that's a whole different thing. But if I yeah. order salmon to get catfish, then that's a problem. Right. right. It's just common sense. I mean, do you need a tip for that? And last, don't leave gross stuff on the table for them to clean up. It's their job. I say that as a waiter who's had to pick up gross stuff. But that is part of your job. What? And I'm like, what could it be? And they said, well, if it was a dirty diaper. I've cleaned okay. up diapers before. Jeez. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I can say, you know, as somebody that used to bust tables, okay, yeah, you could probably dispose of that yourself. But it says in this in this story, tissues. Like, if you blow your nose, find a trash can and toss it yourself. What? What about a napkin? You're wiping your mouth. Yeah. What's the difference between that, you know, blowing a honker in there? <laughs> Get over yourself. You're a busser. Goodness gracious. Like, it's a privilege to be here at this, you know, Ponderosa. Give me a break. Good night. All right. Much more to get to, including another. Oh, goodness. News update straight ahead. You'll want to hear it. Robin show. 
Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Why are you laughing? <laughs> it's funny. Some of the things I get from listeners. Some guy just sent me a note and said, ask Jamie if he remembers pushing a guy and his mom out of a snowbank at the Ponderosa. I might have. That was a long time ago that I, I thought, worked at a wow, Ponderosa. What a nice guy you were. Oh, thanks. What a beautiful specimen of a human being. <laughs> what a selfless, selfless act that was. Thank you. My approval rating's up. Golly. You know. Biden's you, is not. No, it's not. You should have Joe starts pushing cars out of snowbanks. Something. Yeah. <laughs> New low of 36% in the latest Quinnipiac poll. This is where it gets good, man. Um, It's with independents. Because you know, okay, Republicans don't approve. Democrats do approve. But what about the independents? He's 27 points underwater. Wow. 56% disapprove. Just 29% approve. Oof. Yes. And then, you know, the way it's asked, at least from this chart they ask okay is biden honest no no yeah 51 percent said no does biden have good leadership skills no no uh 57 percent no very dissatisfied 50 percent of americans so that is not good story i happen to see this week this is really interesting as far as the job market because a lot of times we're seeing, man, different firms can't find people to work. What's going on? Right. So this was from the Wall Street Journal talking about tax season is coming up, and a bunch of firms can't find enough accountants in the United States. Wow. Jeez. There are like 300,000 accountants gone, just left, done. That could be retirement, just had enough, don't like it anymore, whatever. Wow. But it's talking about these big firms are now hiring international accountants to support their clients. It's really interesting. Like an accounting firm in Nutley, New Jersey. They hired a 10-person tax team in India, and they plan to expand it to 15. There's a bunch of examples they give in this story Mm. about that. So 300,000 over the last few years have quit. And we've heard, you know, this in other sectors, that you have a bunch of baby boomers retiring and there's no one to take their place. You can make some serious cash as an accountant. Oh, sure. Yeah, Yeah. but it's better to go to college to pursue my passion. No, it's not. No, it's really not. (sighs) No, pursue your passion on the weekends and in the evenings. (laughs) A lot of times, you see this all the time, too. Someone's going to go after their passion. By the time they're 28, they're burned out on it anyway. Mm-hmm. They Like, all of a sudden, I want to do something that's going to you know support me a little better, maybe make a little bit more money. I'm tired of living in a cardboard box. Yeah. yeah. You know, whatever it might, might be. Yeah, I'm tired of living with my parents. I mean, the cliche conversation between a dad and his son. Well, I don't want to be an accountant. I want a cool job because, you know what, so I can get ladies, right? You know what the ladies will think is really cool when you're 30? A house and stable income. Yep. Yeah. They're they're not looking for somebody following their passion. No. The passion no. don't pay. Yeah. yeah, it's hard when you get into your 30s and you're like, hey, one of these days I'm going to get a hit record. <laughs> That's hard. That's hard right. to start recruiting talent. Yes, it is. Mm, buddy. Oh, speaking of writing songs. Did you see who just won an $82 million lawsuit? Welcome to my life. 
like, what did he sue for? Well, at the height of his powers, he did an endorsement deal with Celsius, which is an energy drink. But then he sued him saying, hey, I wasn't given stock options and other bonuses that you promised me. And a lot of times, you'll know musicians get screwed on these contracts. Yeah. No, it took him to court, and yeah, they breached the deal, and they owe him $82 million. Right, good. Are they still around? Are they still a product? I don't even know where it exists. I've never heard of it. No, I hadn't either. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robin Show. Biggest story of the day is... Uh, Alec Baldwin facing charges now in voluntary manslaughter for killing that woman on the set of Rust more than a year ago. And what comes of it? That's the big question. We're not quite sure. And, of course, the story goes on about the Biden documents Mm -hmm. and what is going to be next. And we talked about it a little bit earlier. The Secret Service said, well, if Congress asks us, we will let you know who visited Joe's home where a lot of these documents were found. Yeah, I mean, the White House doesn't have the official log, but we got to do background checks. We know who was there. So if you ask us, we can provide that for you. They better be asking. So more on that. You got your big three of the day, yep, Scott. Yep, yep. Scott Robbins trifecta. The news update coming right up. Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. News update, David Van Camp. I think it's kind of interesting. You know, uh, Trump, of course, uh, is running for president. And the only question, running for uh, another term as president. And uh, the only question is how many other Republicans are going to get into the race and then win. Uh, of course, Ron DeSantis is a, is a heavy favorite. Uh, it's basically Trump, DeSantis, and everyone else. Yep. One of those everyone else's is Mike Pompeo, who worked in the Trump administration. And Mike Pompeo has a book coming out because, of course, I mean, that's what these guys do. That's the that's the the model. Right. You release some book just ahead of any sort of primary season. And then you try to leverage that into some sort of speaking tour and get your name out there a little bit more Well, I'm part of this. This is a guy who probably does have a lot of dirt on Donald Trump because he worked closely with him. Secretary of State, yeah. And a little bit has come out now from this book. And part of it talks about Mike Pompeo being silenced when it comes to criticizing China early in the pandemic. Really? So in the book, Mike Pompeo talks about a March 26, 2020 call that Trump had with the Chinese President Xi Jinping. And this came after Mike Pompeo had accused China of having repeatedly delayed sharing data regarding the pandemic and being engaged in a disinformation campaign to save face. That's true. They were. Absolutely. Yes. So Pompeo (laughs) listened in on uh, Trump's call with Xi Jinping, and uh, Xi Jinping warned Trump that Pompeo's accusations threatened a major trade deal between the two countries. Talking about soybeans, mainly. Okay. Uh, And as uh, the writing goes, Pompeo believed that she was trying to get Trump to fire him. 
And Trump said, according to Pompeo, quote, my Mike, that bleeping guy hates you. And a few days later in the Oval Office, Trump told Pompeo that he was putting us all at risk by angering Xi Jinping, in part because the United States still needed uh, protective health equipment from China as well. President told Mike Pompeo of the criticism of China, according to Mike Pompeo, stop for God's sake. <laughs> and Pompeo wrote that he honored Trump's desire to stop criticizing China, but that he spoke the truth about the situation. Okay. As far as I can tell, and maybe I'm not hearing all of this right, that's not even controversial. Which part? Any of it. I think this is going to get blown up in me as, oh my gosh, she's yeah. taking shots. How? Well, I think if you're if you are priming yourself to run for president, you can say, "Hey, look, when we had an opportunity to hold China accountable, Trump shut that down." Yeah, at the same time, at that time, Trump is saying, "Hey, we need PPE from there. Everything's manufactured there." Yeah. Trump had a point. Oh, totally. you can only hold them hold yeah. them accountable so much. And if I'm not hearing that right, is Pompeo fighting that? Like that that overall decision from Trump? Or saying, I wanted to hold them accountable, but I kind of got you know held back from that? Yeah, it said, he basically said, uh, we were at the CCP's mercy. I worked for the president, and I would bide my time. I think it's just an interesting look at what a potential primary might look like. Yeah. More of an opening salvo, sort of saying, hey, by the way, you know, this guy talks about being uh, hard-nosed and all this stuff. I don't know how well that plays. I really don't think my, Mike Pompeo would stand a chance. I got nothing against Pompeo. I like Pompeo, but no, I don't think he has a chance. But, no. But it'll be interesting because you know CNN's going to pick up on that. Mm -hmm. Different left-wing outlets. Oh, and they're firing off at Trump right now. Yes. That's pretty interesting. Um, I just saw something interesting. And, Scott, you had mentioned this getting into your trifecta here. The hockey player that decided he didn't want to wear the Pride jersey on Pride Night in Philadelphia. Yeah. Well, he just didn't decide. It was part of his religious conviction. I mean, he made the choice not right, to do it because of... he didn't walk in that night and go, you know what, I'm not doing this. He just wasn't... It wasn't anything like that. It was just like against his religious conviction. He's not going to do it. Von Properoff. His jersey sold out now. I knew it. I said that. What did I say <laughs> yesterday? I said that. I, gosh dang it. I should have ordered it. I just saw it. I knew it, man. People are going to be there. They don't know anything about the Flyers or hockey or this guy. or But it's a stand he took. And they're going to support it. I will say this. I owned a couple of hockey jerseys in the early 90s. Okay? And yeah. I can remember dropping, you know, like 80 bucks. Oh, yeah. They were cheap. You know how much this is? No. Huh? 175 bucks. Yeah, those aren't cheap. Hockey jerseys yeah. not cheap. I had no idea. I hadn't looked at them in a long time. I, think, I mean, wow. th this was like uh, 15 to 20 years ago, but I bought a Mike Madonna jersey from the Dallas Stars. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, that was like 135 or something like that at the wow. time. Wow. I mean, they're, they're pricey. Edmonton Oiler ones. Oh, it's like 100 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, before we start your trifecta, did you hear on this whole controversy – because, again, and if you hadn't heard this story yet, Von Provorov, when he was asked about it, didn't have a whole lot to say. It wasn't like no. he was grandstanding. He just said, Everybody, I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. That's all I'm going to say. 
And then somebody says, well, what's your religion? Any, uh, like I said, that's all I'm going to comment on that. Um, if you have any hockey questions, I would let, I would answer those. Yeah. Russian Orthodox is what he said. Mm-hmm. It's, it's come up. Yeah, leave it to a guy from Russia to stand up against the woke mob. Yeah. Jason Whitlock was on Tucker's show last oh, night. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And also said that. Well, you would also think that more American-born and bred athletes of Christian faith <laughs> right. would take a similar stand as this exactly. Russian guy, uh, but were cowards. Yeah. You could definitely say that. He said something else that's interesting. We've had athletes in football, basketball, baseball, everywhere. They're all disavowing their religious convictions and taking on the convictions of corporate America and global corporations. They're slaves to the dollar. They worship the dollar. They worship popularity and being influencers. We don't have religious convictions. We don't have men bold enough to stand on their religious convictions other than, I guess, a Russian guy. It's embarrassing for us as Americans. Well... Yeah, he's got a point. Absolutely has a point. No doubt about it. That guy stood by himself, alone. Nobody joined him. No. Nobody, I don't, I've heard no players say anything. I haven't either. I heard the coach say something, which was really, probably really good. Yeah, he backed him. But, uh, man. All right, you ready for your big three? Let's roll. All right. Are you ready? One, two, buckle my shoe. It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins. It's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Scott Robbins trifecta, his top three stories of the day, always helped by his hero. I'm Casey Kasem. Hey, buddy. Okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. Three. Number three, you're telling me the author, Stephen King, may have written his uh, creepiest story yet, but it's in the form of a tweet. Uh, I'm going to assume he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about ever. But he's at it again over the banned books at school nonsense, right? Uh, Books, by the way, are not being banned. Parents are just having a say in what their kids do or don't read at school. I'm sorry, not sorry on that one. But anyway, here we go. Stephen King tweets this out. Hey, kids, it's your old buddy Steve King telling you that if they ban a book at your school, haul your ass to the nearest bookstore or library ASAP and find out what they don't want you to read. That's right. So he's pro-handing uh, yeah. pornography Why are you encouraging kids to go read porn, Stephen? Why is that? Why yeah. would you do that? Okay. Just asking the question because I really don't know. Mm-hmm. He thinks somehow they're trying to ban my books, my horror books. <laughs> like, is he just thinking about himself? Does he understand what's no, going on in the culture? Went yeah. off the deep end on that whole nonsense. Okay. But this is how it works. Just write your horror movies and go to your Red Sox games, and who cares? I mean, it, hey, listen, Stephen, if you want to expose your kids to sexually explicit material, knock yourself out. Yeah, go ahead. We're getting closer and closer to number one. A lot of parents don't dig that, though. Right. The Scott Robbins trifecta, the top three of the day. Two. Uh, number two, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy officially ends proxy voting. Yeah, I like this guy. Not this part, anyway. He uh, said, hey, here's the deal. No more proxy voting. Get your fannies to work. Effective immediately. Members of Congress have to show up to work if they want their vote to count. I applaud that measure very much. But we still have a COVID emergency. No, we don't. (laughs) Six Democratic legislators, by the way, 
had heart attacks upon hearing this. None of them were in the Capitol at the time, though, so it's all good. <laughs> now, on with the countdown. Scott Robbins, trifecta, top three of the day. One. Uh, MSNBC's Chris Hayes, the guy who kind of looks like a drunk person, tried to draw Rachel Maddow from memory. Uh, he has <laughs> good one. He has unveiled the new anti-Ron DeSantis talking point. This is unbelievable. The host of All In on MSNBC, Chris Hayes, went to the Twitter machine. I had to wonder how DeSantis' supposed lack of personality will fare on a larger stage. Here's what Chris said. Boy, are they threatened by Ron DeSantis. I'm not the target audience, obviously, but DeSantis' whole vibe is so pinched and humorless. I really do wonder how this is going to fare on a larger stage. Now, if anybody knows anything about being pinched and humorless, it would be Chris Hayes. Oh, I'm, I'm also like, who's the current president right now? Yeah, a senile yeah, that, old man who doesn't know yeah. where he is half the time. Personality plus Joe Biden. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good God. And there you have it. By the way, I meant to mention this earlier with the trifecta. Casey Kasem. Did either one of you guys know there was a 48-hour special on the death of Casey Kasem? Yeah, I knew that. Like, just within the last month? Yeah. Did no. you see it? I, I did see it. I saw, well, this that, they had one a long time ago, too. Okay, maybe it's uh, some sort of repeat. I yeah. don't know. It popped up on YouTube, and yeah. I got sucked in. Well, yeah, that that ex, that wife of his, that widow. Gene? Oh, oh my god! Holy gosh. mackerel! Man, is she a bad person. <laughs> that dude is worth $80 million? Yeah. <laughs> and the kids saw, like, 250 bucks or something. Savings bonds or some kind of nonsense. Yes. <laughs> and then she took his body and moved it to where somewhere in Sweden or something? Norway. In Norway. The guy's buried in Norway. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is one of the craziest stories. We'll have to cover that later in the week. Good thing I can get a hold of him in Norway. <laughs> Thanks. Finally. I know. It Your took wife a while. was a nut. <laughs> Oh. Yes. Okay. <laughs> news update. And Tim Rod's in the news straight ahead right here. Goodbye. David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. News update, David Van Camp. Oh, Washington Free Beacon has a really interesting story out now. Uh, some photos of Hunter Biden from 2017 taking a drive in Dad's Corvette. That The same Corvette that was, uh, that was stored in that garage. As he's cruising around with two ladies in bikinis. Not sure who the ladies are. Their faces are are blurred out, so I don't know if those are relatives or if they're hookers. I, I don't know. Um, so that would certainly suggest that, yeah, in that locked garage, the crackhead son of the now president had access to an area where classified documents were being kept. It's a locked garage, though, okay? Right. Yeah, it's locked. So no worries there, which is one of the weirdest answers ever. Well, lock garage, where my Corvette was. Right. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. That that means, well, certainly, then it was taken care of, those classified documents. But yet we don't know, as far as the different places they've been found, which documents were where. 
like where the Ukraine documents would have been as opposed to the Iran documents. I think the Ukraine, Iran, and UK, those were at the Penn Biden Center. That, that's, that was my understanding of it. Okay. And again, the part of the story where Hunter Biden was paying Joe nearly mm-hmm. 50 grand a month yeah. for rent. He was mm-hmm. not. Interesting, because that's like almost identical to the amount of money he was getting paid from yeah. a business partner in China. That's right. Yeah. Well, and then the big guy was Joe that was supposed to get 10%. Mm-hmm. But he, I mean, Hunter had other deals coming through. Listen, maybe it's possible that a father said to a son at some point in time, hey, look, this is a really nice place. Now, you got to pay, you know, something for the rent here. I think 50 grand a month is reasonable, don't you? <laughs> right. Has that happened in the history of mankind? No. I don't know, but I'm getting ideas now. If my son ever wants to move back in as an adult, <laughs> 50 grand a month. All he has to do is get on an energy board in the Ukraine somewhere. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Wow, something's going on as far as they're leaking this stuff out just a little at a time. 50 grand a month. All right, we got to get to Nimrods. Roll it out. When the going gets tough, damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Dan. It's Nimrods in the news on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins show. I love the poorly educated. All right. Nimrods in the news. All right, let's just get this one out of the way because when there's a little sadness, I mean, you're still in Nimrods. Nobody got hurt with this dude in Tennessee driving drunk. He's got his five year old in the car, says, You know what? You take the wheel. Oh, God. Holy smokes. <laughs> well, the kid's doing the best he can, but crashed it into the neighbor's mailbox. Mm. Kid's fine. Uh, dad charged with the DUI. Yeah. <laughs> it is, man. That is just sad. Time you learned, boy. Yeah. You got to drive. Now, the kid only had a couple with dinner, so he was Oh, drive. stop, man. I thought maybe he learned to drive on one of those little John Deere Jeeps, like the Barbie Jeep, the little boy version. Anyway, then we go to Georgia. Uh, This dude named Marcus Tull. All right. He was arrested the other day because he was caught skip scanning at Walmart's self-checkout. That's when you, you know, scan some of the items, but you don't scan all of them. Walmart security said he didn't scan at least 24 items that was worth about 165 Mm. bucks. Okay, so the police show up. They arrest him. Marcus asked the cops, hey, can I keep the items that I did scan? (laughs) Fair enough, right? Fair. I mean, he bought them. And they said, yeah, so he gave them the key to his car. Said, could you just put them in the back seat? Okay. The cops opened the trunk instead. Thought, well, probably fit in there better. Inside the trunk, 37 pounds of weed and a bag of shrooms. What a clown. He's in a lot more trouble. Charges against him include possession with the intent to distribute, trafficking, shoplifting, and possession of drug-related objects. I said back seat! (laughs) I gave you one piece of instruction, (laughs) back seat! And that's Nimrod's in the news.